Every time I watch the news or read it online, I think about how happy I am that I am older. I worry about my 15-year-old nephew and my nieces and nephews who are now having kids of their own. And we're used to wildfires in Canada, but I don't think there's ever been a time when so many people have had to leave their homes. And who knew we'd be breathing smoke from Quebec in Niagara? Politics in the U.S. is a mess. And again, the federal government has now had to put out a travel advisory about 18 states where 2S LGBTQ plus people could experience discrimination. And all of this after three years of a pandemic. I'm talking to Aaron Clayton today from Pastone Mental Health about parents getting their kids prepared to go back to school, how parents can talk to their kids about what's happening in the world, and importantly, how they can recognize when their child is experiencing a more persistent mental health problem. Hi, Aaron. Thanks for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. A couple of things. There's a whole lot of stuff happening with kids that I want to talk to you uh, about right now. But number one, I want to talk about the fires that are happening and how this might be affecting children, because literally it looks like the world is burning down. People are having to flee their homes. People are watching their homes burn down. Okay. Now we're saying, you know, we had floods, not as bad as you would expect in California with something they've never seen before. Hawaii's burning down. How is this affecting kids? Number one, fear of fire. But number two, this is all being linked to climate change and that's their future. Um, well, it's a great point. I mean, it is happening and it's all over the media. And so a few things, but even here in the Niagara region, how many days have we had smoke warnings? So it's not this kind of theoretical idea. It's we're experiencing the smoke and the the clouds and, and the reality that um, there are lots of factors out of our control. So for children uh, of any age, for people, it's natural to assume it creates distress. What's happening? And more so if it's linking to climate change or the world that we're going to live in, these are questions that are very prominent on youth's minds. And so it creates a lot of worry, a lot of stress um, in everyday life and future thinking. And it, it can um, create a sense of sadness, hopelessness about what the future holds and powerlessness. What can we do? You know, we're seeing devastation. When you think about Maui, it's just abject devastation. And so it's very shocking to, to watch and to see. And we're not immune and our children and youth are not immune to that. And and it is about being able to, as adults, recognize if this is troubling or bothersome to our children. And then more so, how do we talk about it? What is it that you can say? Um, and it's very complicated. And lots of parents, I think, are coming to us feeling um, stressed themselves, worried themselves, and unsure. Unsure if this is something that's happening for their child. Should I broach it? Should I not? And we hear that a lot. You know, if I bring it up, am I creating worry? If I don't bring it up, what do I do? What do I look for? So um, generally we say, you have, you know, families know their children, but to tune into change and any change. So over um, representation or over interest in something that's happening or a lack of interest um, can, can be as telling. And, you know, lots of questions, worry, changes in behaviors, um, those are things to turn into, and they can be very um, explicit or very subtle. So it's hard to know. 
Well, what do you say as a parent? Because you're, I mean, my thought is I don't have children in some mm-hmm. days. I just think, and you're right about the smoke. I didn't even bring that into it because I couldn't grasp at all how smoke could come from Northern Quebec all the way to here. And I couldn't see the escarpment from Mm -hmm. St. Catharines. And, but how do you talk to a a child about that? Because, you know, we are seeing the devastation of climate change. So how Mm -hmm. do you talk to, uh, to a young kid? Because we know that they're seeing this all over the place. I mean, you can't just keep them away from watching TV news uh, Mm -hmm. and, and, there's no way you're going to stop even your younger kids really from seeing this on social media or talking about it at school or all of those things. So it seems to me that a parent should be talking to their child, regardless of whether they're seeing stress in their, in their kid. And, and what do they say? Well, I think that's where it gets complicated for parents. And often we, it's, it's parents being prepared to have those conversations. Cause I agree you know, it is happening in the world around us, you know, people couldn't go outside, kids couldn't go outside and play because of the the smoke warning. So it's not a theory. It's not this far away experience. This is happening in their real lives. And this is happening. This is happening in all of our world. And it's very complicated for all of us. So often it is, you know, being able to make that a conversation. And for parents, often parents, I find feel like they have to have the answer. Like they, they feel like if I'm going to bring this up, I have to be able to have some way to fix it, to assist, to make it better. We can't always do that, but you can be so impactful by being there as a supportive voice, by being there as someone who's listening and who's really turning, tuning in and validating. And, and that can be sharing your own experience that, you know, would we have ever imagined that we couldn't see the escarpment? Would we have ever imagined? And what does that mean? Or, you know, let's learn about this together. But then you're, you're, you're doing things unified. It's not that we're avoiding this, we're not waiting for it to become something that is creating distress, worry, and, and really interfering with our functioning. You're opening the door for conversation. And sometimes that, um, requires parents to kind of get in touch with how they're viewing a situation first so that they can feel some stability and confidence in in approaching something. And we saw that, you know, through the pandemic, everyone was experiencing that differently. And there's been other very recent, sadly, world events where I think we've we've been required to to kind of see where do I sit on this and and how can we make this a, a an okay conversation and open the door. Yeah, as you were talking about it, and you mentioned COVID, as you were talking about it, I was thinking, huh, I think I've had this conversation a few times over the last number of years. Uh, So in a way, parents are already skilled Mm -hmm. uh, at at talking about this. So they just have to kind of touch into the kinds of coping skills they used for them for themselves, and certainly for their children. I mean, the kids are still going to school and so on, but certainly for their children um, to to kind of help deal with this. So I can't imagine being a parent. I'm so glad that I'm old. Honestly, I'm, I, I tell people that all the time. I am so <laughs> glad that I am not a young person who's going to have to live through this. Yeah, no, it's awful. It's the new normal, I guess, for them. So I don't know. That was That's a whole other conversation of how, whether kids are going to grow up and this is the normal. And so 
you yeah. know, people talk about the the Cold War and how stressful it was. And I grew up in the 70s. I was a teenager and I remember kind of worrying about it, but it wasn't the thing on my mind that I thought I was going to be blown up by nuclear weapons. I think it's interesting because I think there's like through history, there's parallels like where we have all of these. But I think like if we look, there's all these tipping points that we're living through. And for children and youth, they hit differently because of the meaning for them. Right. Like if you just think about the state of politics, if you think about like the rights debates, if you think about like war, if you think about climate change, like all these things, the economy, like they're just all, um, you know, the pandemic, like all these things, we've experienced them in, you know, history, but it's different when you're experiencing them at whatever place in time you're at. So yeah, like, I yeah. think that's the importance is that um, this is what's happening, what it will look like that remains to be seen, but how we're talking about it, negotiating it and, and validating it because it's, it's the world we're living in and it, it, it's every minute there's something different. And, and I think, you know, different people are trying to make different sense of it or cope through it. And it's very challenging. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which then logically, logically takes us to back to school. Mm hmm Pathstone is putting together its back to school toolkit for parents so they can, again, they can tie into some of the experiences that that children have when they go back to school. But I do know, and I have a friend who works in the school system as a, as a social worker, that especially for high school students who are in grade, basically in from grade nine on where the pressure starts to what do you want to do with your life? You have to take these, you have to excel, you need to get a plus, 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 you won't get into university unless you have 99%. I mean, when I was going to high school, basically, if you passed, you could go to university, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a different time now. Yeah. Definitely. And so, so these, some of the kids are, are, are literally kids are, are dying by suicide because they cannot cope yeah. with how to deal with the school. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, school is, is a profound time. So that's where as an agency, we always put that infrastructure into support return to school because it's, you know, it's very impactful across ages. Um, and they're definitely, you know, parents overall want the best for their child and, and success in school is, is marked as that. It's, it's a fine line, can be a fine line between encouraging and, and putting pressure, right? So, um, and kids themselves walk that fine line. And certainly in high school, like you're saying, Janice, there's more of an emphasis on where are you going? What are you doing? And those are enormous questions. And in grade nine, 10, 11, 12, you know, kids are still developing the sense of themselves. Who am I? How, if I'm not kind of clear about who I am, how do I decide where I'm going? And like you say, um, it's very competitive. So you have to do, it's, it's not so easy. Um, so for parents, it's really, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's about their self-knowledge about what they're looking for. Um, and if it is supporting and encouraging their child, trying to be um, clear about that 
And there's nothing wrong with having expectations of your child. It's just making sure that it's being received that way. So again, it always goes back to communication um, with their their children to to say, you know, and to tune in. And there's lots of things that are communicated both verbally and non-verbally from kids to parents. So um, in school, there's so many pressures. It's not just the academics, it's social, it's achievement, it's extracurriculars, it's all the demands, it's the schedule, it's waking up, it's it's the whole package. So for parents really um, trying to, to focus on what's important, if it's getting to school, then let's break it down. Let's not worry about post-secondary now. Let's worry about, let's get there and what do we want to achieve? And having, I think, those um, very intentional conversations with their kids about what their expectation is, what their hope is, maybe what their worry is, but how do they help and how, you know, are they open to getting feedback from their youth? Because as kids get older, that's what we want to teach. We want to teach communication. We want to teach self-awareness. We want to teach conversation. We want to teach reciprocity. We want to teach all of that in relationships, but it is also um, being in tune. So back to my earlier point, some behaviors, some ways we're communicating are explicit. So we'll know it'll be school refusal, not handing in assignments, and others it will be very subtle. And, and it's really tuning in and, and trying to be aware and open um, and available. And, and really, as human beings, that's what we want. We want people to actively listen to us and validate. We don't want them to immediately assist us. When we want help, we'll ask. But if we force help, we can actually push people back more. I think that um, we talk a lot about anxiety and depression. Um, eating disorders, again, is a huge thing because they are probably the largest issues that kids are facing. But you and I saw a movie recently called Insanity, the Mental Health Crisis. And, and, uh, and we had a little bit of a panel discussion afterwards. And the interesting thing, there were so many things that jumped out at me about this movie, but the movie essentially was uh, the story of a family whose son slash brother, Bruce, um, had schizophrenia, disappeared 25 years ago. They never, they have never seen him again. And the mm -hmm. story was his sister, who's a documentary filmmaker, kind of weaving that situation in with the mental health crisis and, and drug crisis that's happening mm -hmm. in, uh, in Vancouver. Uh, the other thing that interested me, and we don't talk a lot about schizophrenia with kids, and we don't talk a lot about bipolar disorder with kids. And the interesting thing with me was that it was so hard for the parents, and this can be the same with bipolar disorder, to recognize what was happening with Bruce, because especially when it's younger, and it's, it's not as uh, easy to identify, it comes and goes. So yeah. he was very, very creative. And so they just thought it was his kind of creative personality. Um, is this something that we're seeing uh, more in kids than people might think? Um, well, I think you're right. Like we tend to dominantly talk about anxiety, depression, um, eating disorders, suicidality, I think it creates a discomfort for people. It's stressful. So um, there's the recognition that it's present. You know, bipolarity, psychosis, schizophrenia, those things, I, I think there are conversations about them. I find that they're very specific. And I, as a professional, I'm asked about it. Like, I think there's still this 
um, lack of clarity. So I, I think it's a point well made, Janice, about the movie because, you know, the family really, um, part of what struck me is that they really didn't, the, the signs were kind of innocuous to them. They didn't really, um, looking back retrospectively, they were talking about, oh, we, you know, this this was something we we didn't kind of recognize. And so there was that kind of lack of awareness, but also he was creative. And I think what was very poignant in the movie is they showed his art and you could see the the kind of episodes and, and transition in his um, state of wellness through his art and they could recognize it after. And it wasn't, I don't think a place to, for them to blame themselves, but it was a, a place of recognition that, um, you know, sometimes it is important to be educated about things that we maybe don't believe exist or make us uncomfortable because some things um, don't present the way that we expect them to. And, um, you know, this was a family and I think most families, they want to love one another, support them and care for them. And they certainly felt this way, but they were uncertain. They were uncertain about what they were seeing and what he was experiencing. And they were uncertain too at some intervals about how to help, what they could do. And that certainly is something that I think people, um, families feel quite a lot. And we hear quite a lot. What do I do? What 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 options do I have? Yeah, I think you um, uh, look for a real change in the way the way the the child is until recently uh and when i say recently you can sort of qualify that time frame the thinking was kids who are under the age of say 15 which is mm -hmm. the age group that you deal with mm -hmm. do not experience depression or anxiety that no way are they bipolar or mm -hmm. um uh experience schizophrenia and they should not be given medication. We're over medicating our kids. And I think this sort of piggybacked on ADHD, but mm -hmm. there was literally, this doesn't happen to kids, Yeah, but we need to move away from that. Yeah, we do. We have, you know, I think that we have to, um, you know, move away from those kind of ideas that things happen in this very specific order because they do not. And we are all individuals. We are seeing and experiencing the world as individuals and things that we contend with present in different ways at different times and being open and available to accept um, what's in front of us versus what we, you know, the way we think things should happen. And certainly you're absolutely right. There's been these um, standards that this happens this way with this, and that's not, not always the case. And it's, you know, I think it's working with and seeking out support if you're wondering, but also feeling empowered as a parent um, to really articulate and advocate for what you're seeing, despite, you know, and I think that's where um, certainly at Pathstone, we endeavor to be engaged with families because they are living that experience. I will have a perspective, but that's not the only perspective. And it's the same when we're seeking other supports um, in health services, whether it's doctors or um, psychiatry, but to, to really be able to feel like um, we're being heard and represented from what we're seeing. And, and there are children who their diagnostic profile will suggest psychosis or um, 
you know, early onset bipolarity, but it's much younger than 15. And it's very legitimate and it's happening for them. And the importance is acknowledging that so that we can help them to, to manage their symptoms and improve their wellness and not to make them feel even more different or disenfranchised or stigmatized or invalidated about what they're feeling and experiencing because it's real for them. Yeah, and parents, as you said, parents can come to Pathstone if they have questions, mm-hmm. if they're not sure. They do, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be, oh my gosh, my child is in crisis. Uh, something's mm-hmm. really, really bad. They can come to Pathstone as mm-hmm. parents yep. and talk over what's happening and, and sort of work out, uh, you know, what should we do moving yes. forward? Yeah, we, and it's important we, to catch that with your with your kids early. So if you're concerned at all call. about what's happening. Yeah, we we really encourage people, you know, we have a support line and, and we really for a long time tried to say, you know, don't wait till you're in crisis. If you have a question, call. We have a 1-800-24 hour support line. We have our walk-in clinics through the region. Come ask us, you know, that's where we can get clarification. If And then at that point we're engaged we, we can point you through our services or other mechanisms. And I think we're recognizing that we want to be in that more preventative educational stance. People have questions and we're going to best meet people's needs when we're in that stage versus when we're in a crisis stage. In a crisis stage, we have fewer options and people are stressed, they're overwhelmed, and, and it, it takes more time. To, to help that situation stabilize and then actually get to the work. So it's really, um, you know, it, yeah, if you have a question of curiosity, um, give our 1-800 number a call or go to one of our walk-in clinics. There's a clinician there and they'll help you. And if there's further service required, they'll help you down, down the path. And kids can also call. Uh, you don't mm-hmm. need a referral yep. to call, and it and it can be cl- completely anonymous. Their parents aren't, aren't aren't notified. And for high school students, you have a walk-in clinic that's specifically for students, anonymous, at the yep. Penn Center. That's right. And so that's a really great resource, and kids should know that it's anonymous. I think sometimes kids are afraid. Uh, yep. Their parents are not called because they've called the crisis line or they've gone to the nope. walk-in clinic. No, nope, thanks for coming on and, and talking again. There's just, it's, it's, I think everybody realizes how complex mental health is, but uh, I think that going back to school, it's a good time to talk about uh, signs that, that parents can, can look for and that, that kids can feel within themselves. Yep, absolutely. And I will just say, as we close um, in September, we are opening our new location river house and that is in Welland. And then we're also hoping, um, going to have a walk-in center available at the Seaway Mall. So we are expanding those services to children and youth and hoping to greater serve the region. But as always, um, thank you for having us.